Welcome back to 10 Cents Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Priot, and I have Adam Nilsson on Zoom. And then we also ha- are lucky enough to have a five-time U.S. Rally Class champion hailing from uh, the Portland, Oregon area, and currently the pilot of the Dodge Caliber SRT4, and the she has her own team, Janikowski Racing, or Jankowski Racing, and so we have Karen Jankowski. Hey, nice to see you guys. Nice to meet you. Yeah, Thanks welcome. for having me on. Welcome to the show. We are. It's a pl- it's our pleasure to have you on. Uh, we were just kind of chit-chatting, getting started. Um, yeah. So yeah, basically, I, I don't know anything about rally, so this is really perfect for me because this is the, the great opportunity to talk to someone that's kind of the expert and has a lot of success in it already. And so mm-hmm. I want, all of my questions are basically newbie questions, and I'd like to also kind of learn about the successes you've had. And then like even just as we just started the show, we've had – or start, you know, chit-chatting before the show started. Which I think this is going to be a, a really good, easy podcast. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to uh, kind of uh, educating you guys a bit about rally. It sounds like you guys don't know much, and I've, uh, it's my passion. So I'm looking forward to kind of educating you and teaching a little bit about it and uh, learning more about you guys, too. Perfect. Yeah, so we've, we've been doing the show for like four and a half years, almost closer to five years now. And we've always kind of had the goal of being real broad with everything that we're into. Like we've done like some drifting, we've done like time attack um some had some like uh, everyone everyone for like pro drifters motocross to, even what's that <laughs> we had a motocross guy we had, yeah some motocross uh super moto guys um, yeah. so mm-hmm. it's so yeah this, you're our first rally person and this is yeah perfect for us awesome well uh i'm glad to, to be your first <laughs> So we can just kind of dive into it. Um, yeah, I've, um, I've talked about it in the, on the show before that we've done like a time speed distance rally, a road mm-hmm. rally in the past. So we, our listeners that have been listening for quite a while actually are aware of that. But you don't do that. Yours is more, I guess it would be called stage rallying, right? Yeah. It's um, So there's kind of three basic types. You have road rally, which you were talking about, which I've actually participated as in well. Uh, Portland, Oregon has, this area has a lot of TSD time speed distance rallies. Um, and that's really kind of the oldest rallies in the U.S. And then you have stage rally, which I participate in, which is on closed roads, typically in the forest, in uh, just normal cars. Um, and then you have rally cross. So you've got kind of basically three disciplines in essence okay uh, so we, we locally our rally cross has actually grown a lot in the last probably year or two mm-hmm. uh, we actually appointed a uh, an scca board member that's in charge of rally cross just because we've had that much success with it and like the nationals are um, down in indianola so it's it's kind of cool yeah, to see here that. in our region yep so it's yeah, cool to see really that grow. so um yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny that we are like the the rallycross nationals for SCCA are right here in in our backyard essentially, and we don't really have a rallycross program. So, hmm. well, that is kind of interesting. Uh, it's like I said, it's a uh, rally in the Pacific Northwest is uh, really strong. There are um, you know, especially in the spring and summer, there's a rallycross uh, every other week or well, I should say weekend. And it's really nice because a lot of people get into rallycross. It's really easy to get into kind of low entry as far as cost and you don't need a cage in your car and you can just kind of go and have fun with whatever you have. And so um, that 
tends to get people kind of excited and then they find out about stage rally and then they want to build a car. So we get a lot of uh, new people that uh, did rally cross uh, get into stage rally. Is that kind of like a natural progression? Do you, do you see more often? Um, it's, it is pretty normal, I would say. Um, now, granted, you get a lot of other people that either uh, spectated a rally and they got excited and built a car or bought a car or they have a friend that's doing it uh, or they watch it on TV. So there's kind of a lot of different ways you get into it. Um, and in the U.S., we've got two sanctioning bodies. Uh, we have NASA. Uh, and we also have American Rally Association. So we have a lot of rallies, uh, stage rallies in the U.S. So then are these stage rallies, I, I, the only thing I can think of is like WRC where it's like these huge events. I think those are usually like over the courses of like days. So mm-hmm. for your stage rallies, are these over long distances, short distances, single day events, multiple day events? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you have uh, what we call a regional rally, and we have a national rally. So a regional rally is usually more of like, like a club event. So it'll be typically a one-day event, usually on a Saturday. Don't have to take a lot of time off from work. Um, and it typically, uh, you know, just has, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, kind of a very compact schedule. And then you have a national rally, which is part of a national championship. You also have the regional championship, and that's usually a two-day rally. And it depends a little bit on where you're located. Some of them are actually three days, like the Portland, Oregon one. Oregon Trail Rally is a three-day rally, um, rally race. But uh, typically, it's two days, usually Friday, Saturday all day, or Saturday, Sunday. And then are these on, like, public roads or, I guess, uh, trails, for lack of a better term? Or I guess, how is that even set up? Yeah, it's a little bit of a combination. So in some areas, it is public roads that we get permits to use and close down for the rally, you know, for the race. And then some are forest roads. So you're dealing with the state or the county or what have you. So it kind of depends on where you're located. You know, uh, we have Olympus Rally and, you know, um, we have a lot of forest roads there, you know, and um, in Oregon, uh, we have more um, private roads. So it kind of depends a little bit. Um, and it also, the way that the stage rally goes is, uh, so I have a Dodge Caliber and a lot of your listeners probably know someone that has a Dodge Caliber, or maybe they even have one cause they sold a lot of them. <laughs> and so you literally, you know, can race whatever you have, you know, now barring, of course, you know, you have to get a roll cage and proper safety equipment and, and things like that, of course. Um, but you don't have cars that don't look like cars, like in some racing, it's very much what you or your friends drive or into, you'll see out, you know, in the middle of the forest racing flat out. Yeah, for sure. And like, uh, I just want to say real quick that I absolutely love the fact that you race a Dodge caliber. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I, I have a front wheel drive Dodge. Mine's a significantly older, but I have a front wheel drive Dodge of my own. And that just makes me so happy. Uh, What are you, what are you driving? I have an 84 Dodge Omni. Omni. Yeah. So Um, back in the day, you know, Omni actually, there was quite a few people racing or rallying that. So Omni was a pretty popular platform in stage rally in the U S I, uh, I wheeled and dealed and was never successful on actually buying one that was ran like in the 
like late eighties to mid nineties, uh, that was ran in stage rally in Michigan. I tried really, really hard to buy it off the guy and we had basically agreed on a price and we were just trying to find a time for me to come get it. And then he just went dark on me and, and I was never able to get a hold of him again. And I was really bummed out about it, but it had (laughs) like, long travel suspension on it yep. and it was caged yep. and it was ready to rock and that it would i don't know what i would have done with it but it was a pretty good price it would have been a fun little car to have yeah so, so. fun fact on omnis i actually uh i have some friends that that raced that uh you know car and a shadow uh actually rallied it in a shadow once um never raced nice. in a colt but there's a few colts out there and my road race car is a neon so i have a neon srt4 and awesome. I actually won my first national class championship in a Dodge Neon SRT4. Not the same one, but so we're definitely a Dodge family. You know, my husband worked for Dodge Motorsports for many years. Um, he built these cars. I'm very fortunate, uh, you know, that he's so knowledgeable and such a just badass car builder and crew chief, you know, and allows me to, uh, you know, just focus on the racing part. And I like racing something different. You know, in stage rally, if you watch WRC or, or other kind of racings, you kind of see the same cars all the time. Uh, in the U.S., that's a Subaru. Lots and lots of people have a Subaru. And on social media, a bunch of people always ask me, well, why don't you just race a Subaru? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, everybody's got one. Like, I want to race something different. So um, you don't get much more different than a Caliber SRT4. They didn't make very many of them. Um, that's a blessing and a curse. And, um, it's, it's a blast. That's so cool. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. You guys so really get a, along great. Yeah. We have a, <laughs> uh, Robbie and I have a, a good mutual friend that, um, endurance races an, an older neon AR, uh, ACR, ACR that yep. used to be a neon challenge car. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So the front wheel drive Dodges are strong with us despite Robbie's kind of disappointment in it. I think, Oh, I'm not that bad. I'm, I have cars everybody has. I got a 240SX and a 350Z. I'm I'm not original at all. <laughs> no. I, I was waiting for you to say you had something boring. Those are interesting. They're fun. They're, they're, I mean, they're a dime a dozen, but they're fun. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole point, right? Um, and I think that's one of the reasons uh, rally racing so popular in the U.S. And, and it's huge globally. So it's very interesting that here in the U.S. we've only kind of um, just – touch the surface a little bit with the popularity of, of the sport in Europe, as an example, it's top three sport. You know, you've got uh, football, i.e. soccer, uh, you'll have uh, formula one typically, and then you'll have rally. And so the U S and there's lots of reasons for that. We haven't quite got to that point, but it's really growing. And the ease of getting into the sport is one of the reasons I think, uh, you know, it continues to grow. What, what reasons do you think it is that it's more popular over there? Is it just uh, like in the availability of places to do it or what is it that you think makes it more popular there? Uh, I think it's probably a lot of things. I don't know that it's necessarily just one, believe it or not. I think it's just that um, in Europe, especially where they have a lot of the races, there's a lot of people and where we have it, um, you know, cause we're so populated uh, you're not able to have it like downtown Portland as an example, right? Uh, kind of close to me or, you know, Des Moines, you know, you've got to be out in the middle of nowhere uh, away from people and, and uh, 
you know, that type of thing. So I think that has a little bit to do with it. I know in England, they do a lot of uh, tarmac racing. So they literally will like race through towns and things like that. And I think um, just the legality aspect of the U.S. makes it a little hard to do those kind of things. I always wondered if it was something like that, like the lawyers are more involved here. Yeah. Our culture just (laughs) doesn't work well for that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, we even struggle to find autocross places and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's magnitudes of scale simpler and we struggle with it. So I yeah, can you're see looking where... for a parking lot, basically. And even right. that is getting harder and harder to uh, to find, unfortunately. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure that that's got to be one of the biggest struggles for rally organizers is just a place to do it. Then it's gotta yeah. Be... And, and not only am I a competitor, but I also uh, help organize my local rally. So Oregon Trail Rally is part of the national championship. And you're right. That is a big issue is where are you going to race? And getting the people that live on those roads or close to those roads, get them excited and okay with it. And there's a lot of barriers, you know, to just going out and driving your car flat out on the, on the dirt or gravel. Yeah. I'll say, cause like an autocross, you can kind of set it up with a handful of phone calls, but I would imagine a rally is going to take months, if not, or, you know, weeks or months to get everything planned. I mean, is that, is that a, a proper assumption? Oh, uh, it's usually once it's over, you start planning for the next year. Okay. <laughs> Is that like city I, hall meetings and the whole nine yards or? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hoops you go through, you know, to get the proper permits and approvals and, um, and then a support and things like that. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. A lot of volunteers, you know, and that's the other piece I, you do have a lot of people that, that are excited about rally. They come and volunteer at the events and then they buy a car or build a car. So you do get a lot of people that, you know, just come and help out. And then they're like, oh, my God, what is the sport? And they get super stoked. And then they're hooked. Yeah, I can see that. I think if it was I think if we had more rally locally, I think we, we would have been bitten by that a long time ago. I know Adam yeah, for sure would have. <laughs> yeah, and that's so, one of the reasons I brought me up to the Pacific Northwest. You know, I'm a California girl yeah. um, and we have a few events, you know, down in Southern California, but not too many. And uh, the Pacific Northwest, we're blessed because we have uh, any given year, you know, three to four rallies um, just in this area. And within driving distance, if I include Canada, um, six to eight. So it's a really good place to be, especially for this kind of racing. So you talked about the volunteers. Um, is there like a lot of corner workers and stuff in in these races or, or how does that, how does that all work? Well, if you can, uh, if you envision a, a race that's in a forest. Okay. So you think of a forest road, it's usually kind of a one track road, maybe one and a half wide. Um, and let's say you have 50 cars that are going to be driving down this road as fast as they can one car at a time, usually a one minute interval. So you do need a lot of workers because typically the average stage, that's what we call that road you're racing on is, uh, 10 miles, sometimes 15 could be 20, 25 miles. And so if you have side roads, uh, you'll usually have a volunteer there to make sure somebody doesn't come driving on the road Um, So there's so much safety that goes along with it. There's people that 
start the cars. There's people that are at the end of the road finishing, you know, at the finish. Uh, So it really does kind of take a a tribe of people, you know, to, to make all of that work. So we struggle. And it's the best way to actually see a rally up close and personal too. So that's that's the same way with corner workers for like road racing too. I mean, we don't, we don't need near as many as you guys would, but it's still, you, you, we're kind of struggling to get enough. I, I can only imagine how difficult it could be on some years to get uh, workers for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I know my local track, which is uh, Portland International Raceway, same thing. You know, they still struggle to to get course workers. And my husband actually just went a couple weeks ago to work a race because they're, you know, um, just really needing people, especially COVID. COVID's made it quite difficult. Absolutely. Like, yeah, so it seems to be like with road racing, the once you kind of do less driving, it seems you do more corner working. So like that, yep. that older age group is the ones that's working. Well, they're the ones that probably aren't going to go out in the middle of COVID. So it's, yeah, this year has been kind of weird when it comes to staffing a, a road racing event. Yeah. State rally, I would say our workers, well, they're a mix, right? Uh, but I would say very young um, and enthusiastic. And, and then we also have, uh, you know, older people that are, um, you know, retired and, and love the sport and want to give back. Yeah, definitely. So how are these like marked out? Like, is there signs or is this more of a, here's your map. You, you got it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny in all of motorsports, there's not really a sport like rally because it's a team sport. You have a driver and you have a co-driver and each person in the car has a very distinct, you know, role. So, um, typically a day before the rally starts, we go and pre-run the roads together. So driver and co-driver go and pre-run the roads. Uh, we write pace notes. So we write descriptions to help us when we're driving flat out, you know, we'll give the direction, uh, we'll give description of the corner and so forth for that whole duration of the road. And then um, during the race, the co-driver reads that back as we're seeing it, which helps, you know, me as a driver, um, you know, figure out what I need to do. You know, is is the road off camber? Is it going to fall off? Is it really tight and I need to slow down way before? So when you're driving a road like these are so complicated, it more information, you know, the better. And then there's a lot of timing and scoring and things that go on with our racing. And so, uh, the co-driver keeps up with all of that as well to make sure that we get to the, the parts that we're racing on time, we get to service on time, um, and that type of thing. So there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, if you don't like teamwork, you will hate rally racing. Um, but if you like to work as a team, uh, and the team isn't just driver and co-driver. The the team is a crew as well. You know, so we're not at a racetrack. When we do service, we're typically uh, in like the neighboring town. It might be fairgrounds. It might be a high school parking lot. It, it could be a lot of different things, but we're all set up in that area and it kind of moves around. And so your service crew is so important and we have a very limited time to fix things. So if you break something and you only have one or two people, and they don't know anything about cars. Well, you're probably going to be in bad shape. So it's very much a team sport, and that's why I like it. How big would your team typically be? Like, like if you over a weekend, is it usually you and like five people, or is it you and it's a couple of people? Well, it depends on your budget. 
So, uh, you know, the bigger teams, uh, they'll have like for one car, you know, driver, co-driver, and they may have four or five crew for that car, uh, service crew working on the car. Uh, my team, I'm a little smaller, right? So I've got driver, co-driver, crew chief, and one or two crew people. And, uh, you know, so it kind of depends on your budget a little bit. That makes sense. And then are these courses, like when they, when they send you off, it's kind of, it's not like an autocross, but like, I assume you're staggered when you, when you get sent off and like, so like mm-hmm. every minute someone gets to go or I guess how, how's that Correct. set up? Yeah. So you drive up to the start line. Um, which, like I said, if you picture a forest road, you have a, you know, you've transited to that point, you've got the start line, and then they're going to count you down and it's one car at a time. So I'll go and then you wait one minute and then you go. So the, the kind of the fun, but also the challenge of that is that I can drive as fast as I possibly can, but I have no idea how you did until later on. You know, I might think I just like set the world on fire and then I find out your stage time is, you know, uh, 20 seconds quicker, you know. So it's you don't know because on a track, you know how you're doing. Right. Uh, you can see the other people with this kind of racing. You really don't know. So that's also challenging and fun, too. So if some, let's say the guy or the driver in front of you makes a mistake. I mean, is there a chance that you could catch them or is it spread out that far that you realistically wouldn't catch them? Uh, depends a little on how big the mistake is. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so, you know, if they spin out and they're trying to get moving, remember it's one minute apart, yep. right? So it kind of depends a little bit, but we've got safety that kind of helps with that too. And so uh, it doesn't happen too often. Well, that's good. Yeah, I was just kind of curious, cause like with autocross, like, you know, someone spins out or something else, you know, they'll... they'll throw the flags and then it's they get a rerun so like with the course right. as big as a as a as a rally i would imagine that's not quite as simple no it really isn't um but we it's all about safety you know because there's a lot of um you know potential for issues right you know going off the road or catching another car or any of those kind of things so you know we're very safety driven yeah and then your cages is it like I'm picturing just like a ridiculous over the top bars everywhere type cage. Like, is that, is that how those cages are like really built over the top or is it more close to like a road racing cage? Uh, well, since I have both, I can actually answer this pretty easily and say it's very different than a road racing cage. Uh, there's a few things that are in essence the same, but ours are more about impacts. And so you've got a lot of, uh, the door bars, um, which on the road race car, I don't really have that much. Um, and you have more cages and hoops in the, the back as well. So um, I would say there's a lot more roll cage on a stage rally car than especially a road race car. Which would make absolute perfect sense. <laughs> Cause yeah, because <laughs> in a road race, you're not typically dealing with a tree or, uh, or something uh, large that you're hitting. Well, most road races. Yep. Um, but in stage rally, you're typically the most common thing you might hit. It could be, uh, you know, a boulder, a tree, a fence, you know, so a large stationary object. Yeah. And, and like with, yeah, with, usually on a road course, even on like, if you're near a wall, you're not going at the wall. Whereas in rally, it would seem <laughs> right. like, you know, you take a corner and all of a sudden the tree is right there. So I, I could see why that would be super necessary. 
that and the picture I have up right now is is you. I think you're co-driving this one, but the car is probably three feet off the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are a fair amount of jumps. Um, yeah, and I've been racing since 2006, and I've co-driven uh, for much of that time. You know, I started my own race team last year. It was always a goal of mine. I just never got around to it kind of thing. And I had a really good friend, Henry Kolakowski, who was a mentor of mine and a longtime stage rallyist. And he died very suddenly of, of cancer. And he had always pushed me to drive. If you want to drive and you want to start your own team, then by gosh, do it. <laughs> and so when that happened, I said, okay, you know, I've got no excuse. Like, I really need to do this. There's, I've got a car. So I don't have any, you know, issue with that. It's not like I have to go find one or build it. Um, just never got around to it. So I started last year. So I did three stage rallies last year. And the goal was to do at least that more, that much or more this year. But COVID has caused a lot of cancellations, obviously, uh, like a lot of motorsports. Um, so a little bit abbreviated season, but that's okay. You know, we've made a few upgrades to the car with that time. And so we kind of use it as a little bit of a blessing. Would you say that it's easier to get the start as a driver or at like doing the path that you did where you were a co-driver first? Because to me, it almost seems like it'd be easier to drive first and you would almost have to be more knowledgeable as the co-driver. Or is that just a misconception? Um, it's a little both, if I'm honest, right? So look, if you have, um, you know, you make a good living and you've got money and your desires to drive, then your biggest barrier is just buying a car. Like there's lots of rally cars for sale. You could buy a rally car, you know, today and the next rallies in three weeks and you can go in her. So there, it's not real hard to do that. You know, now, yes, you have to have safety equipment and, you know, a few things, but, but in essence, it's really simple. Co-driving is simple as well because you don't have to have a car to do it. So for example, this race in three weeks, you know, I might need a co-driver and say, Hey, what do you think? You know, do you get car sick? No. <laughs> Okay, because that's number one. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and are you good under pressure and, you know, um, and be able to, uh, you know, read something at high speed. That's, you know, that definitely gets a lot of people um, and just want to have fun. And so it's not super hard. And actually, uh, when I started in rally, I was supposed to be a driver. I went to a rally school. I was all ready to go. And then a team needed a co-driver that four days later after I finished the school. And I said, okay. <laughs> and that's kind of how I've always been. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot, you know, try anything once. And then I just liked it and kept going. So is there a way to like, I guess, you, like for you as the co-driver, do you have to learn the way that the driver wants to hear the turn coming up or like the terms mm -hmm. or, you know, just, just like the general knowledge of it. That's, that's kind of, even that alone seems kind of mind blowing to me because we've watched videos, you know, many times where it's just like, you've got the co-driver calmly reading, like doesn't even look like they're looking at the rope. They're looking at this paper, calmly reading what's going up next. And the driver's just doing their thing. And I'm sitting there going, there's, there's no way I could keep up. <laughs> so it just, it just well, seems like there's so much. I don't think you look at the road, do you? Like that's probably uh, part of that is not looking up, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and the longer you do it, the less you look, but you still do a little bit to kind of get acclimated to where you are and things like that. But, um, 
there's a cadence. I mean, as a co-driver, I think the biggest challenge is, and you're spot on, is figuring out what the driver wants to hear. There's no right or wrong. That's the funny part. The right or wrong, if there is any, is just figuring out what you want so that I don't give you what you don't want. You know, so that could be speed. Uh, so I'm too fast uh, on calling the notes or too slow or I get lost uh, or I get frazzled really easy, um, you know, or I get car sick. Um, you know, so there's kind of a lot of parts and pieces, you know, that uh, can really make a difference. Yeah, so like, I think... I don't know if it was an interview I was reading of yours or a po- like one of the podcasts you did, but you were talking about like you were, you would tell them like the turn, whatever. And then you tell them actually what gear they were going to be in. So it's just, yeah, just to me, that was, that was a lot. That was- yeah. It's not necessarily a gear, but in essence, it kind of works that way. Right. So if you are driving down a straight line and you see a, the, the roads going left. Okay. Yep. It might be nice to know, what speed you're probably going to be going on, you know, on that left turn. So we have uh, a six is just like a little teeny, like you don't even need to lift. It's just a little bit of a corner, right? And it goes all the way to a one, which is basically a hairpin. And there's, you know, obviously a lot in between. So some people, yeah, definitely say, okay, it's kind of, kind of what gear you're in, but if you have a sequential or things like that, it's not quite, you know, that simple, but uh, it gives you kind of a, a, you know, basic knowledge. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's like a whole separate language. So I think once you learn it, it's you know second nature, but yeah, to me, it's like speaking Chinese. I, I don't get it right away. <laughs> well, and it's funny you say that too, because especially people that come over, you know, for, from other motorsports, they're like, Oh my God, this is so different. Right. Everything is different. You're not at a racetrack, you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere. You have somebody blabbing at you there, giving you information, you know, uh, there's all these rules and things you can and can't do. And, and you're not racing against another car, you know? So there's like so many kind of different, uh, different things to it, but then again, that's actually a lot of those things. They're what makes it so addictive and fun. Yeah, I, I get. I could see it just being such a rush because it's yeah, it is. It's not a car next to you, but it's just like the entire course. You're driving at <laughs> ten tenths, and the tree is touching your mirror the whole time. You know, it's just it's just super intense from start to finish. It is. It is, and so um, it's you know it's definitely a blast, and it's not hard to to find out if there's local rallies in your area. You know, um, like I said, there's NASA and there's uh, and that's NASA Rally Sport and there's American Rally Association. And that's kind of the two main ones. And you can go on their websites and see what's around. And if you're at all excited or interested about it, then you can sign up to be a volunteer and be close to the action and check it out. So I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be interested in doing volunteer work. I mean, that's basically how I got started doing any sort of motorsport in general. Cause Adam kind of tricked me into doing a corner working day. He's like, Hey, we're going to the track. Okay. It was fun though. I, it I was a, a lot of fun. I had a blast. Like it, you were I, happily tricked. Yeah. We got, it was a great day. We were like the only two that aren't the regulars there that day, you know? And yeah. so they they were like so excited that we were there and we were willing to be a part of it. They're like, you guys want to hold the flag in the pace car? And like, hell yeah, we do. That sounds great. <laughs> so we got to do like all kinds of funny little things with it. So it was cool. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, it was my first real introduction to like 
race flags and, and like the radio and all the stuff. So like, they're like, you want to be on the radio? No, 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 no. I don't know the words. <laughs> you be on the radio. I'll hold the flag. You just tell me what to do. And, yeah, and it, exactly. But yeah, you learn quick. I mean, it's, and you kind of, you get the flow for everything. And then when you're on track, you know, me years later, you know, I'm looking at it going, Oh, I, I remember that. I learned, I learned a lot of that stuff that first day. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's kind of the fun of it too, right? Is just learning new things. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's kind of, that's me. I'm, I'm always want to try new things. Like I'll get, I'll get bored with something right away and then I want to go try something mm-hmm. new. So like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of been just whether it's sports or motorsport in general, it's, I've always kind of progressed into something else almost as soon as I got halfway competent at something. I was like, all right, now we got to get bad at something again. <laughs> <laughs> and relearn think, something. Exactly. I think if we really wanted to do this, there's one down by Lake of the Ozarks. There's the big rally somewhere in Missouri. Well, no, that's That's different. Totally different. Is it totally different? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Um, The Missouri rally is a hundred acre wood, and now it's going to be Show Me Rally, and that is as I'm looking at my calendar. That's uh, October second and third. That's coming up. Um, out it's out towards like Potosi, um, Salem. You know that whole area. I think that's down there in in your in-laws neck of the woods. I think it if I'm is not mistaken, I, it is actually. And I can tell you those roads are windy and fun, <laughs> even not on And rally. very gravelly and very fun. But yes. for your listeners that want to go and volunteer at least uh, until COVID calms down, uh there's no spectators right now for obvious reasons. Um but you can still work the rally. And so it's actually gotten a lot of people that kind of normally spectate uh, actually to come work a rally. And I think we're going to see even more new rallies as a result. Oh, I'm sure. That would be cool. Well, that's, that's funny that you say like the SCCA did that this year, like no spectators. And we're all looking at each other like, when did we get spectators? So <laughs> spectators. what are you talking so there's be about? Three less people at that event. Great. Cool. So no wives and girlfriends. Got it. I was just going to say no family. Basically. <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm uh, going to do a road race event in, next month at PIR at Portland International Raceway. And it's the same thing. They said, uh, no spectators. I'm like, mm, I don't think this one, because it's an endurance event. It's oh, like yeah. eight hours one day and nine the other or something like that. And I'm like, is there really, like, is that a problem? It's funny because I've, I've actually spectated an endurance event, <laughs> lo- a local oh, cool. one here, because we were like, Robbie and I, we're both kind of like, we don't want to look like idiots when we're trying something, right? Yeah. So we'll go and like, spectate or we went and we flagged events and stuff like that so that we can kind of get a feel for how the things work so mm-hmm. that we don't look like morons when we show up to participate. Mm-hmm. I like that. So. That's a good idea. So let's, I've, I have some noob questions still. So okay. on, fire away. So like when I'm watching, like I understand like the Isle of Man TT is not the same, mm-hmm. but like when you see those videos or like rally videos, it seems like the spectators are, hanging off the trees next to the course. Is that dangerous an issue at all? No. We, <laughs> in, the, in the U.S., you know, it's very different. Yep. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of lawyers in the U.S. And so, no, we, uh, we have the, the way it works, at least in the U.S., is we have spectator areas. Okay. So we have, you know, specific places on the course that the event organizer deems as safe. And that's where we ask spectators to, to be. Some events will actually have like, uh, 
you know, hot dogs and hamburgers and food, you know, or there, or a couple of them have like bleachers or whatever. And, and then some are just matter of just kind of hanging out. You know, uh, I remember there's an event in Canada that they actually set up bleachers in the spectator area and they sell food and drinks like, and it's just wild. Um, you come around and, you know, you've got, I don't know, probably like 500 to a thousand people. And you're like, Holy crap, you know, in the middle of nowhere. But uh, you know, that, so that's how we kind of keep people safe um, is the, the big way. So, cause if you've never been before, you don't know how to keep yourself safe. Yeah, for sure. I, I could, I could see like, if it's just, if you don't have an area where people are, need to be, they're just mm-hmm. going to kind of wander and they, yeah. you just kind of get to corral them over here. It's like, it's safe here. Stay here. You won't get hit probably here you're fine. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and some events have gotten so creative, they'll do a VIP bus. So they'll sell, you know, a ticket and it includes like food and drinks. So they have like a special spectator area, you know, for the, for the bus. Um, and that's nice because if you've got family, you know, um, maybe a little bit older parents or something like that, or grandparents, they're not going to want to go like tromp around in the woods, you know, and this gives them opportunity to kind of be comfortable and still get to see a race or, you know, enjoy it. Definitely. What about animals? Here, ah, yes. Here there's, about- de- there's deer everywhere here. Are there, yep. is it a problem up by you guys? Uh, well, let's see. I've definitely seen deer, moose, bears, <laughs> Uh, that's kind of the three main ones I've seen. I was in Canada last year racing at uh, Pacific Forest Rally, and there was cows, and it's just an area that's an open range, you know, so there's not much you can do. And uh, luckily, it was during the pre-running of the event, you know, during recce. It wasn't at full speed, but I come around this corner, and um, and there's just this whole huge pack of cows standing right there. And I slam on the brakes, and I just tap the butt of one of them and he just turns around and looks at me like what and they just sit there so you know cows are definitely a challenge we we typically try to get them behind a fence and things like that and you know but you're gonna have wildlife there's some pretty famous videos out there of some deer incidents and things like that and um knock on wood i've been fortunate but uh yeah um moose are probably the scariest part that's out towards like minnesota in that area and um they're really big yeah, that that'd be bad for everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be like hitting a tree. <laughs> yeah, at that speed. Oh my probably gosh. worse. Yeah, I think the moose is bigger than the tree. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be bad. Yeah, I was just curious. Like, you had a picture of a ca- that of the cow that you were talking about, so I was just curious if that was more common than I I would have realized. Yeah, we try not to be, but you never know. <laughs> Um, I would imagine things like rabbits and maybe even birds, squirrels, so like smaller animals would probably be a more common problem. Mm, actually, maybe. not so much. I think they get scared. I suppose loud sounds and things like that. Somebody, we were just we just were at uh, at an event in Colorado a couple of weeks ago. Someone got a a rabbit on track. That's yeah. That's oh. that's because the rabbit got in the the oval and then yeah. couldn't find its oh. way out. There's, yeah, there's okay. only like there's only two ways into the oval, and when it's when it's that populated, they're not going to go back out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he got he got hit by a car. Yeah, he got smashed. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a bunch of uh, race videos with that. 
but not rally. So. Yep. Um. So does your car have a um, like a handbrake, like a drifter would, or I guess how do you get the angles that you, especially with the front wheel drive car? Nah, it seems like you rotate the car really well in some of the pictures mm-hmm. you have posted. It just uh-huh. so I guess are you guys basically drifting those corners, or how, how do you get keep the speed going? Yeah, I mean, part of it is you know you you are on gravel, right? So it's a pretty loose surface, and yeah, we have a e brake uh, a handbrake. Uh, I have a nameless actually uh, handbrake, and uh, it works really well because you can give it just a little tug on a really you know sharp corner and get the car kind of rotated around. So um, yeah, that's pretty common. Um, sometimes it, it's a little bit on your cornering angle and how early, you know, you're taking the corner or how late, um, and tires. And then also how loose the surface is, is it hard packed dirt or is it, you know, fresh gravel? So, um, you know, it's interesting because stage rally, we kind of race in all of those conditions and then we'll race in the rain and snow and anything. So there's not much that stops us. Yeah, I can see that. Like again, I've, I've been basically stealing pictures off your Instagram and Facebook for for the video, and uh-huh. it's, yeah, you got everything from like just a beautiful, nice summer day to like snow and rain, and it's just everything yep. across. And your car's covered in mud. So, yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. The reason I asked is about the the handbrake is because like we were, when we talked to the drifters, it's like it's not the handbrake's not used for braking. It's specifically for speed control. For like for them, it's tandem, so you're trying to match the speed, right. whereas uh, yeah, just, I just I remember seeing videos and like seeing your pictures and stuff too. It's just I would assume it has nothing to do with actually braking, just more of just putting the car where it needs to be to make the turn the way you want it to go. Yeah, getting the car to rotate is definitely you know super important. Okay. Oh, speaking of car parts setup, I got a question mm-hmm. about that while we're there. Yeah. Uh, tires are like the thing in you know, in, in grip racing and road racing. Mm -hmm. And so is that, is that such a big deal, uh, with rally? Um, what tires do you guys, what's kind of like the go-to thing? Is there specific tires? Uh, you know, I just, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes. And yes. And obviously it depends on the conditions, right? So you probably see some of the pictures on my social media of the rally in Canada last year where, we started wet and then it snowed and then it was ice and I didn't have ice snow tires. I wasn't planning on seeing ice or snow, but it turns out that it was just enough of a cold storm and the elevations were really high that we're racing up, you know, so you kind of do the best you can is the short answer. There's a lot of different kind of tires. We don't have a spec tire. Like I'm dealing with that with this road race I'm preparing for is there's a spec tire. It's like, uh, it's kind of a pain, um, but there's no spec tire in rally. So you can basically run whatever. Now, having said that, you'll probably see like studded tires in world rally championships. So WRC, uh, we don't use those in the U S. So when you see like a snow ice event, you're not using chains or studs. You're using like typically like an ice tire. And then just, okay. I would say are compounds like a thing like for, for like for, uh, like forty tread wear up to like two hundred tread wear like obviously is pretty common for like road racing. So is right. is, is does tread wear come into into play as well? It does. Um, like my husband's really big into tire groovers in and really kind of cutting the tires to what you need for the surface. 
Um, and I mean, that's, that's one time I think is a really big competitive edge because, you know, he can, based on my feedback, you know, what I saw maybe in the first running, he can cut the groove those tires to make them maybe a little bit more open, you know, if it's muddy or, you know, if the road conditions are kind of changing and things. So, uh, yeah, there's a few, there's a few little tricks, you know, that we can use. Huh. That's super interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. I would have never thought about like grooving your own and stuff like that. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, how else are you going to do it? Right. I, you know, and there's you use every performance advantage you can. And that's one of the, one of the ways to do it. So does the Dodge caliber, or I guess the SRT4, does that have <laughs> any sort of aftermarket support or is this a lot of custom stuff for you? Like, I mean, if you're grooving tires yourself and, are you, are you also, they have like a machine shop that you're building, you know, your SRT4 parts for? Yeah. So the caliber SRT4 is complicated because, um, a lot of the parts only can come from another caliber SRT4 and they only made like what, 3000. So, you know, it's a pretty small amount of the overall calibers were SRT4 ones. So for example, case in point, um, I hit a tree last year needed a new hood and bumper and a bunch of those things. The bumper I can use off a regular caliber, but a hood has to be an SRT4, uh, you know, one. And a bunch of the parts as well need to be a, you know, caliber SRT4. And they're getting a little bit harder and harder to find. A lot of people that have them, they basically kind of stance them or, or, do whatever, you know, kind of custom stuff and, and all <laughs> so of that. So many stanced caliber SRTs out there. It's Actually, believe it or not, there is a lot of them. And, <laughs> so and, many. Yeah, it, considering they didn't make that many, right? So per capita, right. you know, there shouldn't be that many, but there is. Um, and the same thing with neons, right? I mean, you know, there's a whole kind of neon vibe, um, you know, the neon SRT4. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've only seen a caliber drag race that's the only thing i've ever seen um definitely nobody's you know uh taking it off road um so a lot of getting back to your question so a lot of the stuff is kind of um custom um and it's been a bit of a challenge you know because like i had a welded diff as an example on the car and that sucked there was huh. nothing good about that um, but nobody makes a limited slip for a caliber srt4 nobody not a soul Huh. But and not the same trans as the one in the neon? Are they different? They're different. And really? you can't just take it off another car. So finally, fast forward, you know, a year, finally got a company to make a, you know, a custom one. Um, so it's those kind of things that are that are tough. I mean, look, that's the blessing and curse, right? Whenever you race something no one else has, no one's done the work for you, you know. And so, um, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the challenge sometimes. Then, uh, kind of taking a step back to the limit slip, you, mm-hmm. you said, and I read, I read somewhere that you were using a, uh, what's it called? A phantom grip in, yep. the, in the interim when you went from a welded to a, a, a custom one. And I've seen, yes. them, I've seen this before. Like I've seen them advertised. It's like, like a $250, I don't know even how to explain it, but like it goes in between the gears of an open diff and basically treats it like it's a, acts like it's a limited slip. So I've, yes. I've, I've read mixed reviews and you actually mm-hmm. are using it to race. So I was very curious what type of results you had with that. Um, well, 
I will just say that the Caliber SRT4 has a, on calibers in general, have a little challenge, which is torque steer. Oh, yeah. Torque steer was not great for that that car. And the SRT4 ones, it's even worse. So part of the challenge was, you know, I go from a welded diff where the car is trying to kill me literally all the time. Like, you could never do the same thing twice with that car and get the same result. So one minute it's trying to steer off the cliff on the left. The next minute it's trying to steer off the cliff on the right. And you never knew what it was going to do. So we tried the fan grip because that was the only thing we could find to see if it could help with that. And it really didn't. I mean, in some applications it might be fine. It was terrible for us. I I can see that. Cause like I've been researching stuff for the Z because I had the Mm -hmm. viscous limited slip. And basically if you take it on track, and get the the fluid inside of it hot for like a second, it becomes an open diff. Well, oh. so now I have a, I have cars with open diffs, and the option is you can put a fifteen dollars shim in and basically just mesh the gears, which kind of yeah. treats it like it's almost like it's a welded diff, or you can spend fifteen hundred dollars on a really nice LSD. But then the Phantom grips kind of come up every once in a while, and I was just I didn't really plan on going that route, but I was always just kind of curious if that someone that actually had used it what their what their opinion was of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't want to totally like bag on it because, no. you know, it might be good for someone, but I'll just say not for me. Okay. I mean, you know, so I tried to, you know, like um, I'm using Willwood brakes. So I've been working really closely with them and they're great people and really have been helpful to try to, you know, at least dial in the, the braking challenges that the car has and try to minimize some of the torque steer it has. And so, you know, it's, it's a lot of R&D you know, that goes along with it. That seems like it'd be right up your husband's alley too, though. <laughs> Absolutely loves it. Well, uh, most days, you know, I, I will say that the trying to get the car a little more predictable is kind of stumped him a little bit. I mean, we're getting there now, but I think it was definitely a, you know, a source of frustration, especially last year. Cause he would go out and drive it. Cause he'd been stage rallying for a really long time and everything you could think of. And, you know, he's got all the experience and he's like, I can't, I just can't get it to, you know, I can't get it dialed in, you know? So, um, but it's been fun. You know, I really enjoy it and it's a, it's a fun platform too. I say, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it looks like it, the pictures and the, and the stuff that you have posted in the videos makes it look like it's mm-hmm. really effective and works well. So, I mean, it's, it, you're definitely on to something, it seems. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like naive to think that there's going to be, you know, 10 calibers next year, (laughs) (laughs) but I will say there's a guy in Canada that's about done building his. So there'll be one up there that's racing rally, which is cool. Uh, I did rally cross this car for a while. So that's kind of, you know, where, what it was doing up until I started stage rallying it. And it was okay. It's really heavy. And, you know, if you rally cross the, you know, the lighter, uh, smaller car, the better. A big heavy yeah, we, caliber we, is not necessarily your perfect uh, autocross or a rally cross car. We had a, I have a friend that for a while was just racing uh, a rally crossing his like daily driver, completely bone stock Chevy Cavalier, and he did surprisingly well in in the uh, the stock front wheel drive class. And I, you know, I think it's just it's a relatively light Mm -hmm. simple vehicle and and he was just able to go out there and and drive it well and that was i think that that matters more 
than even in other forms of, of racing. I think driving is, um, is, you know, it's harder to buy your way into being into winning, I would think. Well, it's, you know, it's like, especially for rallycross, you see a lot of people out there that race what they have, right? Like kind of what you're talking about. I've got a, a car that I use for rallycross and, you know, and I'm using it for rallycross, but if you wanted to actually win at rallycross, you would build a certain kind of car for that. Right. You know, and so, um, and there's a guy locally that's got, you know, this little car and it's super powerful and it's like the perfect rallycross car and he just whoops everyone, you know, but he purposely built it for the rallycross, you know, and that, I think that makes a difference. So for like, uh, like suspension and stuff on your car, is I get, is that like a coilover setup or is that just, again, like a custom one-off thing? Uh, it's pretty stock actually. Really? I mean, most, most of this car is stock. So like the engine stock, um, I mean, there's, there's certain things like we're using like, um, Bill Steens, uh, on it, okay. um, and stuff like that. But, um, a lot of it is, is pretty stock. So is that kind of cluster? I guess, is this like the SCCA where there's like 300 classes or is, is it 12 classes? <laughs> um, no, thank goodness. Classes. Um, <laughs> no, we kind of have, you know, all wheel drive and two wheel drive. And within both of those classes, then you have subclasses. Um, but, you know, the subclasses, like mine's considered like an open two wheel drive. Uh, even though it's got a lot of stock stuff on it, it's, it comes down to engine uh, displacement and, and so forth. So, um, it, uh, we've got probably what, six, maybe six classes. So it's not really not too bad. No, it's not bad. That's a little easier to keep track of. Yeah. And then are, are these in general, relatively high horsepower cars that are competing or are these, you know, like the 300 horsepower range? It, um, it kind of depends actually, cause you can literally rally anything. So you have, you know, there's a guy that's got an RX seven. Uh, I, there's a Honda passport. There's a Toyota RAV4. Oh, there's yeah. a Subaru. There's a Dodge Omni. There's a <laughs> Neo Neon. And, and Lord help you, there's a Caliber. So you've got a little bit of everything with all different kind of horsepower. There's a bunch of Ford Fiestas. You know, some are turbo, some aren't. You know, and so you've got, you've got kind of a wide range of horsepower. Now we're starting to get a bunch of cars over from Europe. You know, that... Uh, we've got a Skoda right now. It's quite powerful and that's in a, you know, an open kind of class. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really kind of the wide range. I mean, my car makes well without a restrictor and all that stuff, you know, in the threes, you know, three thirty, three forty. Um, and so, uh, but I have a restrictor on it. So, you know, kind of cuts that down a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I've actually seen that the passport that was at, uh, the grid life Colorado event last year. And it was, it was such a strange thing to see because, uh, it's just a passport. Like it's an automatic bone stock passport, but it's got this ridiculous cage in it. And it was, they, they have like a sort of like a rally cross, um, course set up at that, at, uh, Pikes Peak international raceway there. And, uh, there were some Honda drivers there just kind of putting on demos with that car that weekend. And, and uh, it was surprisingly 
like well poised and stuff like that on on the course. I, I was very surprised with how well it performed, given the fact that it was basically a stock Honda Passport. Yeah, I actually raced against that car last year. It was pretty funny to see it, you know. But but that's kind of the fun thing. I mean, there was a guy um, that raced a Toyota Rav Four, and it was automatic of all things. You've, you know, you've piqued so Robbie's like, interest because Robbie is a, a Rav Four enthusiast. Was it a two door yeah. or a four door? Uh, good question. <laughs> I believe it was a four door actually. Okay. So the, the two doors, you know, that's, like that's like a at. newer one, or like are we talking yeah. mid two thousands or older? Nope. Okay. No, it was a, it's a newer one. Uh, okay. Yeah, Ryan Millen. You can look it up. You'll find some old pictures. Um, I'm but, sure uh, that Robbie will. Yeah, I will. But uh, that, like I said, that's kind of the fun thing because you can have just about anything. You know, there's a uh, there's a guy that has a Saab 96. Uh, there's a, I mean, it's just a, there's a Toyota Starlet. If you even know what that is, and that's a I do. totally cool, <laughs> like you know fast little car so yeah it's pretty fun i follow a guy that has a a starlet i think that he kind of bounces back and forth between living somewhere here in the midwest and living Mm -hmm. somewhere in europe but he's got this starlet he actually brought it to a grid life event a few years ago and raced it on the road course and um it, it has, he does like, I mean, he'll wrap that engine out to like 10,000 RPM or something crazy. And it's got like a, a sequential in it. And it's like the gnarliest little car I've ever seen. It was a really cool mm-hmm. thing to see. Yeah. It's funny the the guy that has the Saab 96 also has the Starlet. And he always jokes, like he'll take the, the Saab out to a stage rally and people go nuts. Right. Cause it's just cool and old and fun and he takes a starlet out and people are like, Hmm. And he's like, yeah, but you don't get it. Like this is the badass car, you know, yeah, it's the sleeper, sure. you know? So, um, yeah. And so you get a little bit of everything and then you'll get a 2020 Subaru WRX, you know, so you get as new and as old and everything in between. Yeah. That, that's what makes it fun. I think, yeah. Being able to go to an event and then seeing everything, yeah, from new to old to basically stock to completely focused built. It's because even like locally at the at the rally cross here, it just seems like the the variety of cars that show up to that are is still pretty mind blowing to me. Just the people that are like, ah, I'll take my Camaro here. We'll figure this out. <laughs> yeah, we have we have the same vibe here too. You're like, oh, Mustang, oh, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, rear rule. But um, yeah, that's. I mean, it's true, and I I think that's why you know when we have the start of, you know, the race and the fans come out and they can see it's kind of a little mini car show, you know, people like it because they look like cars. I mean, they're literally, you know, probably what you drive or have driven, somebody's racing it. And people really like that because they're like, you know, if I like IndyCar and I like drag racing, but when I watch NHRA, that's not a car that I recognize, but in rally, you know, we say it's real cars, real fast. And that's basically what they are. You know, a, a track day, you see the same corner a hundred times or 500 times. Right. But when you do a stage rally, you see one, just one corner and you'll, so you'll see a 500 different corners. So it's not all about perfecting that one corner. It's trying to perfect all of these different corners and they're all different. Yeah, Definitely. I think being able to go to, yeah, going to like, having to be like a car show and have like a kid come running up. He's like, 
that's like your caliber. And, you know, <laughs> you have one of those at home. It, 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 that, I think that piques the interest real fast because now, you know, mom and dad have a, as a caliber at home, but now they're cheering for this caliber on, on track. So it's <laughs> yeah. just, it just makes it real. Yeah. Yeah. And it is funny too. Cause you know, I raced with Dodge. We did uh, an endurance race called target Newfoundland, which is up in Canada. It's like a, you know, five day race. And uh, we raced a Dodge challenger there when Dodge introduced the challenger to the market. And that was the same kind of thing. People were just like, Oh my gosh, you know, Oh, I used to have a challenger or I've got a 70 challenger or whatever. And people are so stoked, you know, just something different. Well, Adam sees that all the time with his Omni. I mean, if it, it's like, oh, yeah. I know, I know, so and so that had an Omni, just like, you know, not just like, yeah. but like, I, you know, I had an Omni. You get a lot of people who are, I mean, I'm you know mid thirties, so I'm st- I'm still a little bit young for that car. But you get a lot of people who are like, say, ten to twelve years older than me that are like, you know, oh, I my parents had one of these when mm-hmm. I was a little kid or whatever, and you know, it, it's it's a it's a topic starter. It's all, it doesn't hurt that yeah. it's got ridiculous wheels and it's caged and it looks insane. <laughs> but I uh, think there's some Omnis for sale too. I mean, there was anyway. Oh yeah, so there be always careful. are. They're, <laughs> they're they like multiply. really annoying. Oh, I have really tried to stay away from doing that. I've made a lot of friends in the Omni and front wheel drive Dodge community, and I don't. Yeah. I think I'm the only one who's managed to not own more than one yet mm, congratulations why would you put that on me ravi because why would you do that don't worry I, I won't Come be on, the only man. one the the entire next week is going to be fans sending you craigslist ads of omnis for sale that's the no, best that'll part. be karen doing that because yes. i know oh well i'm pretty sure i know at least one rally omni that's for sale oh see she fits oh, no. in perfectly with our group oh, no. <laughs> so i'll totally tempt you i've got the hookup oh you, yeah you get friend pricing uh, I already well, have unfortunately, one. Unfortunately, I didn't. I don't own it, but <laughs> I already have one car that I have a hard time getting parts for because nobody makes it. I don't need to buy another car for a completely different racing discipline that I can't get parts for. Fair. I don't feel sorry for you on that. One. <laughs> I I'm sure you don't. I believe me when I say I feel your pain when it comes to having to find ways to make things work. So everybody yeah. wants to drag race Omnis and I don't want to do that. So, yeah, well, and it, it's a, you know, so you're a Dodge guy. I mean, you know, it's a tight, you know, community, tight family. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, we've talked about that before, Robbie and, and like uh, with his 240 SX Nissan community and mm. like the drastic difference between the group of people that I've met with my car versus the people he's met with his car. And uh, I think it's just that like, maybe it's an older crowd. It's certainly a smaller group, but I don't know if there's like a, a need to like, make sure that these cars continue to be a thing. And so everybody's just like, more relaxed and they're friendlier and they're more helpful. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but they definitely are. Yeah. It's just kind of a different vibe. You know, I mean, I raced, I've raced in Subarus a long time, you know, and I would say that Subaru kind of family is the same, you know, they're like a very strong group, um, especially like the ambassador program and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it just kind of depends. There's good and everything, but um, I had a guy in Colorado that bought a um, Dodge Caliber SRT4 hood to put on his regular caliber because he thought it would look really cool, not realizing it does not fit. 
So he reached out to me in Facebook last year and said, Hey, you know, I follow your racing and it's so, you know, so cool. You're racing my, you know, the car I have. And, and, uh, do you want this hood? And I was like, well, I mean, I do hit things. I could use a hood occasionally and they're really hard to find. And they're really expensive when you do find them and you don't want to ship them, you know, because they're super expensive. And so the guy actually gave me his hood. So, you know, just people are nice, you know, it's, it's really super helpful. I'm a small team, you know, I've got some, I've got sponsors, but you know, we're not like, um, you know, super funded, any of those kind of things, you know, we do a lot with a little. I would never have guessed that that car is that drastically different from the base model. Who knew, but it is. Like I would have assumed that, you know, I mean, obviously the engine's different, but I figured the rest of it was just a bolt-on appearance package that any of that stuff would have been cross-compatible. That surprises me. Yeah. I mean, some of it does, obviously, like I said, like the good stuff, you know, um, fenders and things. Um, Doors. Doors. Yeah. The the tree, I needed a new door, so that was nice. Uh, But, uh, yeah, that's kind of where it ends. So is that that something you learned the hard way or do you know going in like, okay, if I mess up this hood, there's only a few hundred out there? Yeah, we knew. Okay. It, you know, I mean, you don't do it on purpose. No. You know, I mean, you know, the, the tree was just, it was just trying to get the car under control and, f- and figure out how do you drive it when, okay, so mechanically I can't seem to get it dialed in. So how do I change my driving uh, to make it a little bit better, you know, and things like that. So if you don't test it out, you're never going to figure it out. Let's take a step back because I have a picture up and you keep saying I hit a tree. But I have a, the picture that I'm picturing that everyone's seeing now on YouTube is the car upside down with a tree wrapped around the drive shaft. Is that what you're <laughs> is that what you're referring to when you said I hit a tree? <laughs> well, I guess it was a we hit a tree because you know there was more than one person in the car. Yes, of and course. My uh, my co-driver Mitch Meadows is a great guy and um, maybe a little crazy because he keeps getting back in the car, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was just it was just kind of a weird, you know, last corner on the road. Um, car went a little wide, uh, trying to get it dialed in. wasn't going super fast because the last corner, and the road was crowned. So that means when the car went a little wide and there was all of this weight, the road didn't hold, <laughs> and so you know the road kind of gave way, and me, my co-driver, and the car kind of went down this ravine with a couple of trees to greet us. Um, and, uh, yes, there was, uh, some trees that we took along the way. The bad part of that story is four days later was our race. Oh, so it wasn't a really good time to do a lot of damage. And, and it really took a lot of people, a lot of friends, um, you know, to help us, you know, we, Lee Parsons is this really cool guy that helped do a lot of the body work. Um, you know, and like I said, my husband had to find new doors. Uh, we had to get a new windshield. Uh, the inside was great. So it's really solid wheel belt car, no problem. But, you know, aesthetically it was, um, you kind of wanted to squint a little when we got it all together. <laughs> well, yeah, it probably helps that you, yeah, you took it a pretty slow corner and just kind of rolled off the corner rather than, flying off the corner into a bunch of trees so if it's Which like i've done not myself but as a co-driver i've been a passenger of that multiple times is that common 
have you like how is that something you kind of expect like like with road racing you're kind of like if sometime i'm probably gonna end up hitting a wall or a tire wall or you know it's 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 not if it's when is in rallies it's kind of the same mentality yeah, that's what that's what they always say. There's those who have rolled and those that haven't yet. You know, it's uh, it's just a matter of time, and that's okay. I mean, you know, as you're getting a little faster, you know, in the conditions, the conditions change so much that it's it's really unpredictable. You know, so uh, you're trying to be careful and you're trying to be tidy and you're trying to do all these things, but it's still like stuff happens. Yeah, definitely. And I've had some pretty big, pretty big offs you know, that I've been a passenger in. So, you know, but the cars are really well built and they really keep you really super safe. So I always kind of joke, I'd rather be in an accident in a rally car, you know, because you've got the wing seats. So yep. it's it literally like kind of turns into a cocoon for you. It keeps you super safe. Um, and Hans device and the belts to keep you in. And um, you got that roll cage to to take, you know, some of the energy from the impact in the car and all the things. And so, um, you know, it's a pretty safe, relatively safe place to be. Yeah. I, I give my wife a hard time cause she gets nervous when I'm on track and I'm like, no, seriously, I could probably, the chances of me dying driving to and from the track is much higher than me dying on the track. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a morbid way of putting it and she doesn't really appreciate that, but that's how I've always like driving to work is more dangerous than driving at the track. Yeah, exactly. Especially if something happens. Yeah, for sure. So like, have you had any like injuries or anything like that? Or have you been like any of these rollovers like that? Or you just kind of like brush yourself off and like, well, now I got to get a new damn bumper. <laughs> uh, I did get a pretty good concussion back. Um, well, I think it was like two, eight, 2008 timeframe, maybe. No, actually a little later, like 2010, um, you know, and so that wasn't like great. But uh, I've been like, very, very fortunate, knock on wood, uh, you know, with the rest of the accidents, just some bumps and bruises. Well, that's good. I'm, that's that's refreshing to hear that it's not, you know, it happens, like dangerous things happen, but it's it's not detrimental in any way. Right. But you hope not. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're kind of becoming a, a full podcast here. So I got a few questions left. We can keep this wrapping up. Um so this season's kind of coming to an end. You said you had a couple mm-hmm. things coming up this year. I, I know COVID's kind of thrown everything into a loop. Um, yeah. I guess, what do you have planned this for the rest of this year and maybe even into coming into next year? Yeah. I mean, it, COVID has kind of really put a wrench in things. Um, I've got a couple of track days scheduled for this month um, to get our neon road race car kind of dialed in. And then next month, uh, we've got a lucky dog race. That's a kind of an endurance series that's out here uh, that we're going to be doing at Portland International Raceway. And so that'll be fun. That's you know, one of those races you can have up to like four drivers um, to kind of share within the two days of racing. And then we have Olympus Rally. Um, Olympus Rally was a World Rally Championship event, actually, back way back when. Um, and there's some of the most beautiful roads uh, and very technical roads out there. So that's up in Olympia, Washington, uh, and that's in November. And then everything else depends if we can make it over the Canadian border. You know, at this point, we can't, um, but there are several events, you know, um, that I'd love to do again, but it just kind of depends on that. Makes sense. And the next season, 
it kind of just depends on COVID a bit. You know, I like to do um, at least as many events as I did last year, plus that many more in road racing. And there's enough um, races out here to do that. So to actually put a full program together uh, kind of get past the R and D part of, of that car and then move into actually doing a lot of racing in it. So that's the goal. And, you know, um, scrub blade wiper blades, uh, I just extended my contract with them and they've been a long-term sponsor. They make like the best windshield wiper blades on the market. So, um, and then rally, we definitely use that, uh, and road racing as well, you know, so, uh, and Amsoil and Melee design. So, you know, I've got the partners that have been patient with COVID, you know, and hopefully we get back to normal season next season. Definitely. And it's, I did not know what scrub blade was a thing. So not, it now, is. now I need to. Yeah. They're out of California. They've been around quite a few years and they're a really great company. Not only do they make uh, great wiper blades that actually scrub. So gets off all the bugs and all of that stuff and rain, but they also try to make the world a better place. They donate a bunch of money every year to children's hospitals and they do a lot about uh, replanting trees. So they're just a, just a really great company that um, not only makes great products, but they also uh, try to make, you know, the world a little better too. Huh. Well, I know four cars at this house that need wiper blades. So so if you go on to their website, uh, I've got a promo code. It's basically my team name, Jankowski Motorsports. 20% off right now and free shipping. So Perfect. instead of waiting until it rains and then you realize, oh, man, my wiper blades, they, they stink. Uh, you can go ahead and get them now and save some money and you're good to go. Well, cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, I guess uh, one question I had is, so you're doing road rally, or, or not road rally, you're doing rally and then road racing. But I mm-hmm. guess pie in the sky, best case scenario, what would be some of your long-term goals? So like, I don't know, are you into like Bikes We Kill Climb or Dakar or Baja 1000 or, you know, some of these other crazy races? Is that is that something that kind of piques your interest? Or I guess, where, where do you see yourself taking uh, Jankowski Motorsports? Yeah, I mean, I think that, one of the long-term goals for the Jankowski motorsport team is it doesn't have to be me racing, you know, so we've got, you know, several cars, um, and we'd like to participate in more races and, and offer kind of a ride and drive program, you know, for when I'm not, you know, uh, racing the car, but as far as events goes and things like that, I'd like to try some drag racing. Uh, I think that would be, uh, kind of, a, you know, next step, fun thing to try, love to try it. Um, but I think, you know, right now, at least over the next couple of years, I really want to focus on, uh, some road racing, uh, cause there's just so much to it. And there's so many tracks that are within driving distance for me. I'm very fortunate that, you know, once you kind of master one track or one series, you can go into something else. So there's a lot of opportunities, um, and also do some hill climbs. So the Pacific Northwest actually has a pretty strong hill climb scene. And there are a lot of hill climbs out here. So I don't know about Pikes Peak. I've been uh, there 
uh, helping a team. I haven't competed. So, you know, Pikes Peak would be fun, right? Um, But in the short term, uh, I'd like to do more of the hill climbs that are here local because they're fun, they're challenging, and we've got a lot of different kind of surfaces and uh, variety as far as um, the different ones as well. Hill climb seems like it would kind of fall right into your, your wheelhouse already. I feel like that'd be very similar <laughs> skill sets to what you're, what you have. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so I think that would be, uh, definitely a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I've got a car in the garage right now to do that, but who knows? I don't see why the neon couldn't do it. It'd be fine. <laughs> there fine. is, there is like no racing that I like dream of more than hill climbing i want to do it so badly and we live in like the flattest part of this country (laughs) and it's just not a thing around here there's one that's like a few hours away Mm -hmm. uh like maybe six or seven hours away and last year the fastest time of the event was a 20 second run and i just can't justify driving that far for that short of a course So well, it's like, oh, man. it depends on how many runs you get. And, you know, it is kind of a, a fun, it's a fun scene. They're starting, we're starting to get more tarmac rallies in the U S so in Kentucky, which you know obviously is far for you, but uh, Kentucky's now has their second one this year. Uh, it's in September. And uh, so that's kind of interesting too, you know, instead of being on gravel and dirt, like we normally are, we've getting more and more tarmac events. That would be interesting to do. I, I, I could get my head around that. And that I feel like is a slightly more accessible because uh, I assume it's probably not quite as hard on cars. Um, I, I could be wrong. That. I could be wrong, I guess. I don't know. Trees are trees. <laughs> I suppose, but there's no jumps in tarmac racing. Or, well, less, I would assume. Uh, less, yes, yeah. But yeah, the whole hill climb thing. There are a, quite a few, quite a, quite a few events. Um, the team that I've been racing with last couple of years, they we were signed up to do Mount Washington hill climb. Yeah. Um, yep. And so we're accepted, all ready to go, and then dang it, COVID hits. So that right. would be a, that would be a fun one. I haven't I haven't been to that event yet, or competed in it. That one is most, if not all, gravel, isn't it? Uh, well, that's a good question. I think mostly, yeah. I know at least some of it is. I, it might be all of it. I don't remember for sure, but yeah, that one's that one's kind of unique in this country. I think, being that it's not all paved anymore. Yeah, yeah, like Pikes Peak, unfortunately, is pretty much right. Mm-hmm. Yep, you should do it. <laughs> that that's, that one's that's, a long ways away. That's because right. isn't that East Coast? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's it's closer for me than you, I suppose. But uh... <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I think we got a podcast. Um, if there's anything you want to cover, Adam or uh, Karen, or we can definitely go wherever you want to go from here. But uh, otherwise, I've run out of questions. I think I'm good. Uh, you know, pretty pretty well answered most of the questions I've had. So I'm sure there'll be a ton of things I think of afterwards. But oh yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> that, just, that just means we have to do a follow-up podcast. There you go. And we absolutely can do that for sure. Once you guys kind of get into it. Um, no, I think, I mean, I, I just wanted to kind of educate you guys on rally. Um, kind of talk to you about what's it like racing a caliber. 
and uh, kind of get you excited about, you know, the whole rally thing. But, uh, you know, I'd say, like I said, if, if you have any interest, look into, uh, you know, American Rally Association or NASA Rally, see what events are in your area and, and go volunteer because it doesn't cost anything and you get to see the cars up close and personal and then you learn about it and you get to meet, you know, the drivers and co-drivers and teams. And so it's kind of a great way to get involved without spending any money, you know, and, um, and then who knows, maybe you'll build a rally car. Most likely will. Or an Omni. <laughs> or an Omni. I just need an Omni Which that runs again. I just need an Omni that runs again. That's that's key right now. It's yeah, been broken luck. for an extended period of time. So, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, you know, it's been definitely a pleasure. Yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure for us. Um, before, where can listeners find you? Uh, pretty easy. Uh, Facebook Jankowski Motorsports, um, and uh, and then on. Uh, uh, Twitter is Rally Racer, and Instagram is Karen Jankowski. Perfect. I will try to link those, or at least uh, I'll tag you in everything I do on Instagram, so that'll at least be a good start. Yeah, absolutely. And if anybody has questions, hit me up. Uh, I'm very accessible and always happy to kind of share, you know, what, what Rally is. Perfect. Well, I'd say you're a pretty awesome ambassador for the sport. Uh, you've been Thank very you. very easy to work with for getting on the show. We've been playing uh message tag for a few weeks like i think this is the longest we've had somebody scheduled out ever just because it's been such a weird weird year but i i appreciate you uh working with your schedule into ours and and being on the show this is this has been a lot of fun and i've again i've learned a lot about rally yeah yeah good mission accomplished <laughs> well then we will catch- and I'll start sending you those uh omni ads right away oh yes. no yes <laughs> oh no <laughs> All right, we'll we'll catch the listeners next week. (laughs)